Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I am Maria Leonard Olson, an attorney, author, journalist, podcaster, TEDx speaker, and radio show host. This podcast I started because I have crossed paths with so many incredible women, and I'd love to share with you, listeners, some of the stories and tips I have gleaned from these women about becoming your best version. Today, I am so excited to share with you my good friend, Andrea Koppel. She is a former award-winning CNN correspondent and currently is an ed tech startup entrepreneur, career coach, and founder and CEO of the College to Career Academy, which helps confused college students and grad students find careers they will love. In 2021, Andrea was named a top job search expert to follow on LinkedIn. She is also the host of the Apple Top 100 podcast called Time for Coffee and founder of Time for Coffee LLC, a company with a mission to empower 1 million students to turn their degrees into careers they will love. Prior to becoming an entrepreneur and podcaster, Andrea zigged and zagged her way across three different industries. She started out her professional life as a journalist, where she spent 20 years, the last 14 of them with CNN. She then pivoted from journalism into public relations and eventually moved into the nonprofit world, leading global affairs and policy for Mercy Corps, an international humanitarian and development organization. Andrea has a degree in political science, Asian studies, and Chinese from Middlebury College and never studied any of the industries she ended up pursuing. She also is the daughter of our beloved news broadcaster, Ted Koppel, who I have welcomed into my home via my television set for decades. She is a delightful friend and neighbor, former neighbor, who I met when I used to live in Chevy Chase, Maryland. And our friendship has taken some zigs and zags of their own in a very positive way. I am so grateful that our paths have again joined this year. And I would love to welcome you, Andrea Koppel. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Maria. And I have to confess, when you started saying that you had welcomed my father into your home, I was like, <laughs> what are you about to tell me, Maria? My dad has been happily married now for almost 60 years. Are you about to oh, like, that's funny. <laughs> blow the lid off something? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I may have... Uh phrase that differently, but he is a, an icon as far as I'm concerned in American homes. And, and Andrea resembles her father. For those of you who have, who have not met her, she has this 
thick mane of beautiful hair. She's got this uh, incredible gravitas and presence. And I am just so blessed to know you, Andrea. Oh, well, the feeling is so mutual. And I will just say this about my father. He too has been my greatest role model, certainly during the time I was a journalist, but I will also say as a human being, mm. he is an incredible man, father, yes. husband, friend. And uh, I feel incredibly blessed to have had him in my life and still have him in my life to this day. So. And we get to still see him on air. My gosh, does he have the longest broadcasting history in the U.S. at this time? Or maybe? I know. don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But he's on CBS Sunday Morning. And here's a fun fact. My sister, Deirdre Cohen, often produces his stories. I love he it. He is a a phenomenal television producer. So yes, that's kind of a fun little thing you wouldn't know because she has her husband's last name. Fabulous, fabulous. Well, let's start when we first met. Uh, uh, Deirdre, sorry. Andrea, (laughs) Andrea met and I met when she moved onto this very same street in Chevy Chase in 2007, where I was then living with my husband and two young children. And we had, we discovered we had many mutual friends from Middlebury College and elsewhere and formed a friendship at that time. Andrea was then a correspondent at CNN and then she began her pivot. Can you tell us what caused you to leave CNN? I mean, that was a plum job and you were very, very good at it. So the decision was made for me, Maria. I ah. had been at CNN, as you said in the introduction, for 14 years. I had been a journalist for 20. And for the first five years of my time at CNN, I was a foreign correspondent in Japan and China. And then I was promoted to become the State Department correspondent covering American foreign policy. I did that for eight years. And then I was asked to cover Capitol Hill, which I did for a year. And during that time, the last year, we had a new president at CNN. And the thing about so much in our life, I would say in our work life, in our personal life, is that there people have different tastes. They have different people they admire, people they they think are good at what they do. It isn't always objective. And the new president of CNN decided I wasn't his cup of tea and fired me. Wow. My contract had come up and they didn't renew it. And there I was in my early 40s. I was 43 years old. Wow. And my whole identity was tied up in being Andrea Koppel with CNN. Mm -hmm. And there I was. 
I was no longer with CNN. And I began to learn about who I really was. Yes. And I now say, and I think I was saying this within a couple of years of leaving CNN, that John Klein, then the president of CNN, gave me an incredible gift. Wow. It really and truly was, I feel this in my core, such an unbelievable gift. Because the truth is, Maria, I had become a mother three years before. I only have one child, and I had him when I was 40. And my priorities had changed Indeed. as a result of that. And working at CNN, working as a journalist, but this was even before Twitter and posting on whatever social media feeds you needed to do. It was already an all-consuming job. And I was no longer happy in this job, even though I, it was a combination of golden handcuffs mm -hmm. and fear. Yes, fear, fear, fear governs so many of my decisions before 50. So I was afraid to quit mm. because I didn't think there was anything else I could do other than be a journalist. And now what I teach the young people that I coach is even as a student, whether you're a high schooler or a college student, you have tangible hard and soft skills. You have tangible technical and interpersonal skills that are transferable. So what I discovered when John Klein gave me the great gift of launching me into the great unknown and forcing me to start this discovery process was that I had so many transferable skills and so many interests. And I ended up discovering that there was a niche within the public relations space that I had never known about. And that was this, there are companies that only work with nonprofits and foundations. And that really resonated with my values. Because at that time, I, I had already known that I was somebody who was mission driven. That's what attracted me to journalism in the first place. The, the idea, however lofty, that you have the privilege of being the voice for the voiceless. And that the role of a journalist is to educate and allow the audience to make up their minds. And that has really changed quite a bit in the years <laughs> since I left journalism. But that was where my head was at in 2007. So I ended up joining this cause-oriented public relations firm as head of communications. And I did that 
for a year and nine months. And then I was fired again, Maria. Whoa. Well, for what reason? Because I had never managed people before. So (laughs) I went into this company and they, of course, knew my background. Not only had I never done public relations before, but I had also never managed a team. And I wasn't able to mentor them. I didn't know how to run a meeting. Now, fortunately, my deputy, who they hired at the same time they hired me, had all of those skill sets and more. Mm -hmm. And so I really learned from her. And I used to be ashamed about the fact that I had been fired again from MR Strategic Services. And I now look back on that and say, once again, what an incredible gift that was. Because while I liked the job, I didn't love it. And I got paid, Maria, for almost two years to learn public relations, to learn how to manage, to learn. This was my first post-journalism job. So it was my first post or my first job in the quote unquote corporate world. I got paid a really good salary to learn on the job. Mm. And then I used that job. I ended up getting hired by one of my clients And that was my then move into the nonprofit world. I went to work for the American Red Cross and I did that for a year. And I had a great supervisor, one really good supervisor. I learned a tremendous amount from him about mentoring as well. And I then moved from that job to Mercy Corps. And by this point, I really did know how to manage people. I appreciated the distinction now, the nuances within the humanitarian and development world. And I got this incredible opportunity to join this organization as an executive reporting directly to the CNN, uh, to to the CEO. And I just learned so much about myself as a professional over those three years after I left CNN and spent six years at Mercy Corps, loved it. And then in 2017, so just about five years ago, quit that job to become a full-time stay-at-home mom for my then 13-year-old son, because I had learned to drop into my heart. Mm. So often we live our lives in our heads. True. And we intellectualize things that come at us and we don't feel them. And I had begun a meditation practice while I was at Mercy Corps. And I truly believe that it was thanks to that practice that I recognized I didn't want to be apart from my son. I didn't want 
to have the regret of waking up when he left for college or after and saying, oh, what if I had been home more? What if I didn't have to travel the way that I did? What if I had put him first? Mm. Wow, that is a lot of rich material uh, about which I have many questions. I don't, I barely know where to start. I do love how you were able to turn setbacks into opportunities and to recognize the lessons and the gifts of pivots and setbacks. And I am betting that all of your coaching clients benefit tremendously from your honesty and courage and your willingness to fail because you appreciate how failure or so-called failure is actually an opportunity if we look for the lesson. I think that you are an incredible role model and that the world is lucky to have someone who has had such a varied career help young people to navigate what is kind of scary terrain when you're just starting out. I never thought I would be a lawyer. I never thought I would write books. I, I remember as a child, I thought I would probably be a teacher or a nun. And I was <laughs> obviously became neither. So I- Well, I, I wanna you. push back on that because <laughs> you are a teacher, Maria. You are a teacher in so many ways. And I think this has been one of many discoveries that I've had. And I should also add, after CNN fired me, I was able to start real therapy. Mm. So in addition to the meditation that I would go on to do years later, I also had the gift of talk therapy so that I could start to really get to know myself and get yes. to understand my behavior and patterns so that I could break patterns that weren't mm. serving me and start creating new patterns that were helping me to level up in my life. So it wasn't just my own experience, or I shouldn't say it hasn't only been my own experience that I bring into my coaching. It was after I quit Mercy Corps in 2017 that my journey really organically unfolded. Mm -hmm. And while I was being a full-time stay-at-home mom, doing all the chores, cooking dinner, walking the dog three times a day, that I started binging podcasts, Maria. Oh, and around that same time, I had a number of people reach out to me within a very short period of time for career advice. And I remember thinking, this is so inefficient for me to reinvent the wheel every time somebody wanted career advice. Where is the podcast platform where they could go and get career advice from a former journalist, somebody who'd been in PR, somebody who's a lawyer, somebody who, you know, all these different industries, where is that? And I couldn't find it, not to say it didn't exist or doesn't, it certainly exists now. 
And I thought, well, gosh, I've been a journalist. I know how to interview people. I'll just start it. And that's why I started Time for Coffee, Time the Number Four Coffee, which is shorthand for, hey, Maria Olson, do you have time for coffee so I can ask you about what you do as a lawyer and how you built your career? So that's how it began. And then after I had interviewed probably 100 people, and I've interviewed well over 300 now, Mm. I started to see the cross-cutting patterns in the way that people's careers really unfolded, how they really uncovered their passion or passions. For me, I've had now several professional passions and how conventional career advice, the advice that you and I got and that so often we unintentionally perpetuate by giving it to our children because most of us don't have the opportunity to to talk to hundreds of professionals the way that I have to see that, gosh, telling somebody who is 21 years old or 22 years old, who's graduating to just follow their passion is actually not great advice to give that person because most college students have not identified as you and I will attest what their professional passion is at that age. And that the way that you find your professional passion and what I teach my students is that you have to act like a mad scientist who's in a laboratory with those test tubes. And I actually have them here, Maria. Oh, nice. Our listeners can't (laughs) see it. What does a mad scientist do? Well, she puts, I'm unscrewing the lid on these. She puts different chemicals inside her test tubes and she holds them over the Bunsen burner And sometimes the chemicals have a negative reaction, right? Mm. They blow up in her face. She had a toxic boss or it was an unhealthy work environment. She didn't have work-life balance or she didn't like the job. And how does the mad scientist find the right formula, Maria? She tests. Yes. She experiments. She iterates. And that is how young people and older people find their professional passion is by trying new jobs, testing, iterating, failing, picking themselves up again. That wasn't like a life altering, I mean, in a bad way, experiment. When I went to MR Strategic Services, it was a part of my journey. It was how I was able to discover what would be a better fit for me. And had I not been fired from CNN, I would probably still be there today, overwhelmed with anxiety because of the 24-7 stress of that job, working on stories that no longer really lit me up, which was the case when I was fired. I I wasn't enjoying 
the journey anymore, but I was afraid. So once I had been forced out on my own, I have come to realize that fear is simply an indication that it's new. It's not something that we've done before. And it's an old emotion that is in our amygdala. It's actually in our brain and was put in our brain when we were cavemen, or mm -hmm. I don't know what your creation story is, dear mm -hmm. listener, but whatever it is. <laughs> so the amygdala being the part of the brain that's fight, flight, or fear, it's automatic. So when we have that initial rush of fear, remember, process it. That just means it's new. And that's the way we grow is by leaning into the fear, yes. embracing it. It's part of how we evolve and reach higher levels of consciousness. Oh my goodness. What a gift to our listeners. Thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, your approach is brilliant. I wish I had had a career coach like you. As the daughter of an immigrant, my uh, cho choices, according to my mother, were to become a lawyer or a doctor. That's it. And because at age 21, as you pointed out, I had no idea what I wanted to be. So I went directly into law school. Wow, what a service you are bringing to young people today. I am curious, since our parents are of a different generation, what were your parents' reaction to your multiple pivots along the way? And your approach, I assume, to raising your son, which is vastly different, I'm guessing, from the way you were raised. Wow, that is a big question. So I should also say that I am a first-gen American mm. on my dad's side. Mm. So my dad emigrated to the U.S. when he was 13. So like you, I think I was raised not with you have to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer, mm -hmm. <laughs> as so many uh, immigrants try to encourage their students to their children to become. But I remember, Maria, when I was in college, I wanted to be a diplomat, an American diplomat, which is why I majored in political science, Asian studies and Chinese. I thought that would give me a leg up on it. Then my senior year in college, I sat for the foreign service exam, mm. didn't realize that I needed to study for it and that I <laughs> was supposed to be up on current events. And that's now one I'm... of the hardest exams to take. Is Andrea, it? did no one tell you? There's no. a very high fail rate. Okay. Well, I failed. <laughs> I failed. And so there I was my senior year, like, oh shit, not with the same level of oh shit that I think and I know that students feel today in terms of fear of the unknown, but I was like, what am I going to do now? The Peace Corps came to recruit on campus. And I was like, well, gosh, I wanted an adventure. I wanted cultural experiences and I wanted to live abroad. So let me try that. And I applied to go to Nepal and I was accepted. And I remember my dad saying to me, 
here's that immigrant experience. Mm. Okay, Andrea. So you're going to go and do the Peace Corps for two years. And then what? (laughs) And I'm like, I have no idea. But long story short, I ended up not going to Nepal, not because of my dad's tough questioning, but because we learned there had been acts of violence against women, Peace Corps volunteers in Nepal. Mm. And I didn't feel safe. And I ended up going into, I had a magical experience. So I believe very much that the energy that we put out, we attract. Yes. And I ended up getting the opportunity to go to China because this woman only hired young women who spoke Mandarin Chinese. Wow. And this is 1985. And the story of how I even learned about that job is a whole nother one. But I ended up accepting this job, going to China. And it was only because of that experience. All of my friends outside of work were journalists. And that's how I decided I would go into journalism because I'm the oldest of four. And everyone said to me, Andrea, of course, you're going to become a journalist like your dad. And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm going to do something else. The truth is, it was something that was calling to me. So I finally had that freedom to make that choice. So what do my parents think of all my pivots? They were scared. They were afraid. Mm -hmm. And especially the last one, when I quit Mercy Corps, they were like, are you nuts? You're (laughs) 53 years old and you're going to quit your job as a vice president at this global humanitarian development organization. How are you ever going to find another job? So it was very It's why I told them after I had made the decision, because I did, this wasn't a consultation process. Mm. And I just said to them, because this is what my heart is telling me I need to do. How do they view the way that we are raising Aiden? Is that Mm -hmm. the second Mm -hmm. question? Well, my mother had been a full-time stay-at-home mom. Mm. Mm -hmm. So... On the one hand, they were like, holy cow, you're quitting your great job in your early 50s to be a full-time stay-at-home mom. A little bit hypocritical because (laughs) mom had spent her whole life at home, but I understand where they're coming from because my mother ended up going back to law school to get her law degree when I was in high school. So... I think you just have to live your life. Yes. And it's hard because we have loving parents, many of us, who are projecting their own fear, their own anxiety on us. And thanks to a lot of therapy and my own work outside of therapy, I have come to the realization that I can listen to my parents and we can respectfully disagree with one another. Indeed, that is a very healthy way of setting boundaries and living a life true to one's own values. I greatly respect so many things that you have done, that you have said, and about 
evolving beyond our fears or along with our fears. We have known each other now for a long time, but my evolution has taken many many ups and downs and uh, I'm as has mine. As has mine, Maria. <laughs> uh, fair. So our friendship has evolved and I am just so grateful that our evolution has led us to a place where we both, we have so much in common. And I do believe what you said earlier in the conversation about living a life free of regrets if we follow our heart versus living in our heads, which must, much of society encourages us to do, i.e. to live in our heads, to follow the regular path. And you are helping to break that mold and help the younger generations see that we need not be shackled by society's expectations and thereby will live a more fulfilling life. So I ask all of my guests this one question, consistent question in the podcast, which is, what do you do to become your best version? It isn't one thing. And part of my journey has been educating myself on mental wellness, on spiritual wellness, on physical wellness. I have a functional doctor. It's also known as integrative medicine. The premise of which is that the body is a series of interconnected systems and you need to get the, to the root cause of illness and disease. And that food is medicine. Mm. Food is medicine. So I try to eat in a way in which I am nourishing my body. I am feeding my body the kinds of foods that give me energy, help me live my best life. I am a Peloton fanatic. <laughs> I spin almost every day and do various exercises that they have on their app, but I love to move my body. Movement is healing. Yes. And I nourish my body with exercise. And I meditate twice a day. Mm. And meditation, I have come to realize, is so much more than just releasing anxiety or managing anxiety and stress, which it is. But it is a pathway to drop into our heart, to drop into our gut so that we can tap into our intuition, mm -hmm. which is that voice inside us that is telling us this doesn't feel right or this does feel right, which is what I did when I quit my job at Mercy Corps and I, there are many other examples in my life where I have listened to my intuition. I didn't listen to it when I was at CNN because I was flooded. Fear and anxiety were the predominant emotion. Mm. 
Yes. So I listened to my intuition and I set my intention so that I can manifest in my life what I want. And the other thing that I do to nourish myself is I read voraciously. Mm. I am an incredibly curious person. I love to read. I love to read all kinds of books, predominantly personal and professional development books, but I also read fiction. And I love to explore. And you and I shared so much of that in common. I love to visit new places. I love to be with people who fill me with energy. So this is what I do, Maria, to become the best version of me. Bravo. Love it. Love it. Love it. And uh, we will continue our conversation offline and our adventures around the world that we have discussed. I thank you for being on the podcast and you can follow Andrea's work on her very active LinkedIn page. Andrea Koppel, K-O-P-P-E-L, Caffeinated Career Coaching. And she posts incredible insights, helpful tips, not just for students, for all of us. I urge you to follow her on LinkedIn and also to go to timeforcoffee.org, T-I-M-E, the number four, coffee.org. You will not be disappointed. Again, thank you, Andrea, for being on the show. It was such a delight, Maria. Thank you so much for inviting me. All right. We'll see you again next week for another inspiring woman on how to become your best version.